I love you, Steve. I love you too, man. Let's get this going. How about that? Yes. All right, here we go. From magical movies. All it takes is faith and trust. Oh, and something I forgot. To unforgettable adventures. Well, once there was a princess. I'm an outlaw, that's what. That's no life for a lovely lady always on the run. From the thrill of the theater to the comfort of your home. Do you want to build a snowman or ride our bike around the I don't care how you kill the little beast, but do it! And do it now! You can always count on something new from Disney. That's why they call me Thumper. For the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Forget about your worries and your stuff. Look! Have I got it? The magic feather! Now you can fly! Ohana means family. Just a sec! Buzz, will you get up here and give me a hand? <laughs> That's very funny. I'm taking you to someplace pretty special. You won't find him here. <laughs> the king has returned. Join us for discussion and commentary as we open the Disney Vault with your hosts, Steve Glosson and Teresa Delgado. And hello, everyone, and welcome to the most magical podcast on the internet. It's Disney Vault Talk. My name is Steve Glosson. So glad to be along with you after a bit of a hiatus. And uh, but we're back to continue our discussion of Disney movies at all. And uh, we are in the Pixar age of Disney movies, and we're picking up today with one that I think you will all enjoy. It's not just me, though. We have to have. The heart and soul of Disney Vault Talk with us. Uh, you know her best from all of her other work across the internet, but uh, we're just glad she's here with us and forced us to do this thing all those years ago. Ladies and gentlemen, we know her, we love her because she is the lovely, the talented, the powerful Teresa Delgado. I gotta say it. Hello, Teresa. Oh, I'm sorry. I did not have you turned up. Hello, Teresa. What's the deal, Pickle? What's the deal, Pickle? <laughs> wow. Teresa, we're back on Disney Vault Talk here, and uh, it's good to be along with you, my friend. I know. It's very exciting. I am... Oh, my gosh. It's been eight months. Has it been that long? Yeah. Well, it's been eight months. Well, and we're not alone, by the way. Uh, we've also, we're also bringing along with us on this ride around the racetrack. Ladies and gentlemen, he is my brother from another mother. And he's already been busting my chops like we're actually related. 
And it's great to have him along with us, the great Eric Schoenerweiss. What's going on, brother? I knew it. I know that I'd made a good choice. <laughs> Is that from Cars? I don't know. Yes. In my best friend. Mm. In my brother and sister from other mothers. Are you trying to do are you trying to do Mater? <laughs> yes. Uh, at first I was, and then you didn't. That's I was like I was like, so is I he just abandoned it. That was a How horrible that was a horrible mater. I can't do a well, I'm trying not to be offensive in doing a mater. Well, it ain't offensive to do a southern accent, get her done. Well, but when you're a northern guy trying to do it, nah. I just I don't I would understand it. Uh, I would have understood it. I wouldn't have taken it as an offense this time around. I'm not so, saying. I, look, we're all we're all rusty doing we're all rusty doing this thing together. So we might as well just just see what we can do and 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 see if we can get by. I'm so happy to be back talking to you guys. It's good to be back with you. Now we were having a little bit of a Mandalorian discussion before we went live. We were. And, we were. And I guess that falls under Disney Vault Talk because it's Disney, Star it does. Wars. So and it's it on Disney Plus. Yeah. Um, so talk to me a little bit, Eris, you're having problems with Din Djarin. I never can think of his name, but Mandalorian, um, not knowing who Boba Fett was. I just, I'm surprised that he did not recognize the armor when he saw it. Do you, well, maybe they never ran in the same circles. At least have some curiosity about the armor. Yeah. When he saw it. And, and simply because both of them are bounty hunters, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the fat is one of the legendary bounty hunters. Indeed, I'll... that in the cantinas and amongst his bounty hunting colleagues, mm-hmm. stories would be told. He would have seen, you know, uh, what's the word, uh, hollow projections of him or whatever. I just think that you know that armor is kind of like a holy grail sort of thing yeah i think sometimes that you know and part of it is the re and part of it is the fault of the creators where they've kind of shrunk the galaxy down in places you know for example um cobb vanth was basically riding one of the pods from anakin's pod racer converted into a speeder um Uh You know, and and so I think we sometimes assume, well, they should at least recognize the armor. I think he would recognize the name before he'd recognize the armor. And I and I think that if they knew how Boba Fett went out, in other words, like if people knew that he died on Tatooine, then yes. But I also think that there's a level of this Mandalorian culture that he's been immersed in that that, you know, depending on how long he's been with the guild and that sort of thing. There's probably been a lot of you remind me of this dude. You remind me of this dude, yeah. um, but but maybe he doesn't necessarily know what he looks like. And Boba Fett, I don't know that Boba Fett would have gotten very far if he was showing up all over hollow pictures and everything. Well, but I'm not saying he was showing up all over hollow pictures. But you know, the the very first the first chapter in season one, he you know he's going to that cantina mm-hmm. to collect his jobs and to pick up new ones and that cantina is all bounty hunters right. in there right so whether it's somebody telling it to him directly or him overhearing because you know he's dropping eaves in mm-hmm. places like that i just think that I, I i i just thought that there should have been some and maybe he was just playing it super cool yeah but well that, I, that was my one nit to yeah if we ever if we ever come to a 
to a confrontation between those two and it's not said that he's heard the name, at least heard the name, then, yeah, I think we'll have kind of a like a head scratcher moment. But it wouldn't surprise me if he's heard the name at the very least. Now, if, if we know Kreef's going to show up at some point in mm-hmm. the season. Mm-hmm. So if he sees the armor and he doesn't know who the Fed is, then I'm really going to lose it. Yeah. Well, don't lose it. Just kind of scratch your head and be like, well, that seems not No, smart. no, because that's... <laughs> <laughs> a wizard should know better. Well, is he a wizard? Okay. Look at that. I worked two Lord of the Rings references into his Star Wars conversation. Nice. Well done. Well done. Um, so I want to I wanna address something really quickly in the okay. chat. Uh, I have a Discord server for my video game streams on Twitch, uh, specifically Animal Crossing. People were asking about it. We put the link for the Discord in the chat. So if you have questions, look over there. <laughs> Jedi, Sorry. I want to address something in the chat as well. Jedi Tink, the problem comes down to my sound setup and... Um, and and the way things are working, uh, I have to go in in the post and and mix things down a little bit differently because of our because of the I use an external um, external audio card to to bring in the the audio from Skype so I can control that audio a little bit better. But it sometimes causes things to have that little bit of mufflage to it. So sorry. Sorry. We, we'll fix it in post. That's always Edit. my. Edit exactly. We'll we'll fix the post. <laughs> Speaking of Stuffity in his Discord, let me let me plug Stuffity real quick. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Stuffity, I believe, is what it is. Um, wow, you're not you're not plugging my Twitch. You you just did. Twitch.tv slash Ice Cold Penguin Three. There we go. There you go. There there were two other Ice Cold Penguins before you. Apparently. Wow, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> never never would have thought of that. So. Um, but yeah, Stuffy's been uh, been doing some stuff there, and you can download the Twitch app and follow him, and follow Ice Cold Penguin, and help them out. And uh, also go over to YouTube and give Stuffy's uh, YouTube channel a like and a subscribe. He's got some stuff that is a direct result of Disney Vault Talk projects um, yeah. on his on his channel that he just up and did, and it was fantastic and wonderful. So. Um, I shared, I shared <laughs> Stuffy's uh, Thrawn aims to kill. YouTube link in our Delray Slack channel the other day. Wonderful. Oh, nice. oh. I want to say hi to Jess really quick. Uh, Stephanie's wife. She sent me an awesome box of awesomeness from Australia. So thank you. And the candy was good. Oh, that's fun. Um, and I'd also like to point out that I don't have a Twitch to plug. So I, Neither do I. <laughs> neither do I. Um, I don't even know that I could play video games right now if I tried. So. Um, I have an itch to scratch, but no Twitch to plug. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we'll take it. We'll take it however we can get it. Um, So, Teresa, I understand we have an email. We do. We have an email. So, Anthony Rice saw... You don't have to play the mail bumper, but... Okay, great. uh, Anthony Rice saw that we were doing cars, and he quickly... I mean, like, within minutes sent us an email so i'm gonna read it really quick because it has to do with cars he says hi Teresa and steve and erish i i just put that in there uh i have a story that ties into the cars movie in the mid-2000s my church got a new pastor who moved his family from suburban west virginia to our rural church in pennsylvania 
to get to know them, my family invited their family to go with us to a local agricultural expo. This was an outdoor expo where several equipment companies showed off their new equipment, including several combines. I don't know what that is. You don't know what a combine is? Is that when they run, they run for trying out for the NFL? Well, it's like No, it's like Frank in the movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, I know who Frank is. But right, so that big giant machine that he is okay. is like part of a combine. Okay, so we were walking past one of them when the pastor told his son, Look out, it's Frank! I wasn't really into movies at the time, so I don't think I had seen many of the recent Pixar movies and not Cars for sure. My family all looked at my pastor like he was crazy and said, Who is Frank? And he said, I guess I need to let you borrow my Cars DVD. And that's my first memory of Pixar's Cars. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. Well, and that was, let me get the story straight. So his pastor was like, you need to, okay, yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, that's the blessed cheesemaker. Oh, Anthony, Anthony Rice. And I I think we could plug his cheese, but I'm not sure what that, uh, what that cheese, what that link is. Cheese? Yeah, I think they actually do like mail order cheese. But oh. Yeah, but I'm not sure what the link I is. I want cheese. Is he in the is he in the chat? Well, it's, I mean he it's is. it's like artisan cheese. I um, want artisan cheese. Anthony, can we buy cheese from you? Can people buy cheese? Am I wrong about that? I, I seem to remember that we could do that. <laughs> Clovercreekcheese.com. Clovercreekcheese.com. So right. I'm going there right now. I and, do uh, not have a cheese company to plug. Look, under, no, neither do I. Uh, understand, it's not it's not going to be the cheapest cheese ever. Hi, welcome to Disney Vault Talk. We'll plug whatever the heck you want us to. <laughs> <laughs> Taste the flavor from the greener side of the fence. It's artisan cheese, raw milk, and grass-fed beef from a family farm in Williamsburg, Pennsylvania. I want cheese. Artisan farmstead cheese. I want cheese. Wow. I would love to go make cheese with him. Anyhow, can I go? I can I go pet the cows you used to make cheese. What? what? Why are you asking? I want to pet the cow. Why are you asking for things? <laughs> Good lord! <laughs> he said yes, you can. Oh, okay. Well, dang it. <laughs> they have tours. Oh, they have cheese online, experience. and they have an online order site. Yep. Yep. All right. So thanks, Anthony, for letting us know about that. Good good car story. You can send your car story into um, vaulttalk Vault at gmail.com. Gmail Make sure you got those two T's up in the midst of it all, and you'll uh, you'll be right on track with everything. So, um, why am I Disney getting Disney Watch. Do you yeah. want to not play a bumper here, too? No, I can play a bumper if I can find it. It's, it's a, <laughs> That's what I was asking. Everything is different than it used to be. <laughs> so. Oh my gosh. Okay, so now his name being Blessed Cheesemaker is to make so much more sense to me. Watch it! Watch it! Watch it, little boy! Disney Watch. Found it. Whoop. What? What just happened? Uh, we played the Disney Watch bumper. Okay. All right. So first thing I wanted to talk about really <laughs> Teresa, quick. Is, okay. All right. Whatever. Okay. What What happened? You're like okay. Okay. All right. Okay. What's the big deal, pickle? What's the deal? So we've had a lot of film changes due to the pandemic. I don't know if you guys have heard about that. Uh, but 
they changed some stuff around. So Black Widow was supposed to come out this year. Right, right. It got moved. So if you're looking for Black Widow, it'll be out next May. Yep, yep, yep. Next May. Also, the movie Soul, the new Pixar movie, Mm -hmm. they decided instead of putting it into theaters and delaying it, it is going to be a direct-to-Disney Plus exclusive. That will release on Christmas Day. Now, is that going to have the premium price like the Mulan? I don't think so. No. No. It's free for... It's free for anybody subscribing to Disney Plus, but I don't believe it's exclusive to Disney Plus. I think that, uh, especially outside the U.S. in some area, it'll be like a, you know, a video on demand rental thing. Too. Oh, okay. okay, okay. And then we just had a trailer recently for this movie. The last time we heard anything about it was at D twenty three in twenty nineteen. It's Rhea and the Last Dragon, and the voice of the main character is Kelly Marie Tran, and I am pumped. The trailer for this movie looks so good. So if you haven't seen the trailer, check it out. It's very realistic looking, and but very cool. Is, this, then, is this a Pixar movie or is it a Disney movie? No, Disney. it's just a Disney animated okay. movie. Cool. Yeah, and then the last movie that was moved, to my knowledge, I I don't know if Cruella was moved. I'm going to talk about that in a second. But The Jungle Cruise was supposed to come out this summer, and it was moved to next summer. So July 30th of 2021, the one with The Rock mm-hmm. and Emily Blunt. And so that was moved to next summer. And then the Cruella DeVille live-action movie will be in May of 2021 as well. Mm. Okay. So. So we've had some moves. Is Cruella going to do the same thing that they did with like Maleficent and try to make her all a, a, a sympathetic character and everything? I honestly have no idea. I don't think so. Because Cruella DeVille should not be a sympathetic character. I don't think so. No, I think sucks. it's just going to be Emma Stone being a, a little baddie. Nice. Well, that's good. I can handle that. Yeah, I have I no idea. I can totally handle that. Okay. Now, have, you guys, have you guys also mentioned that in early December, Mulan will just be available on Disney Plus. I did not. You did not. Not as a extra, you know, thirty dollar pay thing. It's yes. just going to be available as part of their library. Have they yep. sa- have they said how that went for them? Like with that type of structure? They, I, I have not seen Mm-mm, anything. I haven't seen anything. Okay. Did you guys watch it? No. No. Because they announced like. Right away, that it was going to be available in December, and I'm like, I'm, I'll just wait. Right. Yeah. I don't think it went. My guess is that it didn't go as strongly as they hoped. Yeah. Otherwise, we probably would have seen them do it for Soul or do it for Black Widow right. by this point. Yeah. So I the fact thought- that they're just giving us Soul straight up and pushing Black Widow out, um, it makes me think that it didn't. Per- perform as well as they thought can we can we back up real quick and talk about black widow just a tiny bit um i I know it's been pushed back and everything pushed way back but it has did that affect or was it just the filming was affected so the marvel shows that were supposed to have premiered on disney plus got pushed back Uh, no the marvel shows on disney plus they were shut down okay that's what i okay all Black right. Widow 
was if it wasn't done it was in post-production but Mm -hmm. that was supposed to come out in may and at that point movie theaters were all closing down right at least in new york and la movie theaters were closed down so that's why the the world the world over they were closed down um yeah they were so, and in a lot of places, they still are. Yeah, so. yeah. But the interesting thing is that the Marvel shows, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier was supposed to be the first one. Right. But instead, we're getting we're getting WandaVision. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the first one. So I'm curious if they've had to – and also Black Widow w- would have been released before that. So if there's anything in there that kind of – tied these together they may have had to go back in and story-wise restructure some things that that's kind of what i was asking is uh, were we having to restructure anything because of the black widow being put off because there might have been some tie-ins to that i i was i was on i wasn't unaware but i was unsure if the the marvel shows had had to be put on hiatus because of the or the the production had to come to a halt for whatever reason i do know that wanda is apparently going to play pretty heavily into this next phase of Marvel films. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. she's going to be a part of the Doctor Strange movie. There've been these rumors about the Spider-Man movie. Um, you know, so it's 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 kind of interesting the the way things are kind of shaping up that they it looks as though they may be going with the whole multiverse angle um across the Marvel Cinematic Universe, yeah. which is going to be yeah. inter- it's going to be interesting to see how the regular general audience takes to that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I'm excited for it, you know, cause I'm one of those people. I'm not, you know, I don't know a whole lot about the comics and stuff. I just know about the cinematic universe. So, mm-hmm. and I'm still excited. So, no, well, awesome. Look, it could be captain America reading the phone book for two and a half hours. <laughs> and I'm there opening <laughs> Smith, John, Area code seven zero six three five three. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I also thought we could talk a little bit about what's new on Disney Plus for November and some stuff that came out uh, this past month in October uh, for our next little piece here. Just because there's been stuff I've been enjoying on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. and there's some stuff that's coming out that I think is really good. So, of course, The Mandalorian. We just talked about it. It just started. So you're not behind. There's one episode. Go check it out. Now, I don't know if you guys have been watching this, but the right stuff is just fantastic. I love it so much. Is this a is this a documentary or is it a It is National Geographic's first serialized show. Okay. And it is of course, is covering, uh, it draws on from the book The Right Stuff, mm-hmm. and it is following the Mercury 7 astronauts as they begin the NASA program. Okay. I think they are four or five episodes in. It is very, very well done. Okay. So I'm enjoying it a lot. Uh, Greg and I usually watch it every Friday because, of course, it comes out on Fridays. Another show that's been going for a few weeks, I want to say four or five weeks as well, is The Magic of Disney's Animal Kingdom. This is a documentary-type show covering the animals 
at Animal Kingdom. So you actually get to learn a lot about them, their names and all kinds of stuff. And I cannot wait until I can go back to the Disney park so I can actually see them. And from what I've heard, they have started referring to the animals that they're featuring by their names when they do like tours or when they on the Savannah um, for the Kilimanjaro Safari ride and stuff. So you can actually put together the animals you're seeing on TV and in the park when you go into the park. So very, that's pretty very cool. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Are and, you, I know you're excited about this, aren't you? I, I don't know that I'm excited about it. It's, But they're doing it in the right format. The Lego Star Wars Holiday Special uh, yes. airs on Disney Plus on November 17th. Uh, we're bringing the holiday special in, and you're going to have Ray and Finn and Poe join in with that. It's the Lego style things. It's going to, oh, it takes place after Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> is this going to, I guess my question is I'm looking at see who's here Kelly Marie, Kelly Marie Tran, Billy D. Williams, Anthony Daniels, Matt Lanter, Tom Kane, James Arnold Taylor, D. Bradley Baker. I, I don't see anything about Jefferson Starship here. <laughs> <laughs> or uh or or who was it uh wasn't diana ross was it who all was in that holiday special oh man i don't remember i wasn't alive i've only seen it once or twice <laughs> oh it's I kind I've of seen, i mean I, I, I refuse to watch it it's I, just that i mean to say you've seen it twice is a big deal um <laughs> that's true will will I they saw- be the ghost of b arthur will be in this thing probably um <laughs> I saw yes. it the first time when it was originally on TV, and then, like, when I was in my 20s, I was at some dude's apartment. A bunch of us were there, and he uh, he was, he was worked in the bullpen at Marvel Comics, so, like, he was a hardcore nerd, mm-hmm. and um, he had a bootleg copy of it on DVD. Mm-hmm. And so we all watched it, and I was just embarrassed by how bad it was. <laughs> <laughs> With guest stars Art Carney, Harvey Corman, B. Arthur, Jefferson Starship, Diane Carroll, and a special performance by the Tootle Fruits. Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay, so I just want to read this really quick. It does take place after Rise of Skywalker. Ray and BB-8 will visit a Jedi temple that sends them through time to interact with previous characters from the Star Wars universe, including Darth Vader, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Yoda, and more. As always, I mean, the Lego stuff is always pretty funny, and this will probably be yeah. pretty cute as well. So I'll definitely probably tune in just for some of the callbacks. I'm sure that they'll have to to other uh, to, and to and none of it's the, canon. They right. do a great job just mixing all the characters from all the different eras in. I wouldn't be surprised if there's like a Baby Yoda cameo in it or something like that. Well, sure. It's fun stuff. Yeah. I yeah. love worrying about what's canon and what's not canon. That's one of my favorite things to do when it comes to Star <laughs> Wars. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. All right. Well, the next day on November 18th, The Magical World of Mickey Mouse is premiering on Disney+. Plus. This is a original series that's going to feature Mickey and his best pals, Minnie, Donald, Daisy, Goofy, and Pluto. And they're embarking on their greatest adventures yet in a wild and zany world where the magic of Disney makes the impossible possible. 
Fans are in store for a masterful combination of laugh out loud comedy, modern settings, timeless stories, new music, and an unmistakable art style of the most recent Mickey Mouse shorts. Okay, I want to talk about that for a second. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't mind it, but I mind it. I don't like the way Goofy looks. He looks like a homeless drug addict. Goofy looks horrible the way they're drawing him now. Yeah, Yeah. He looks like a stray dog. He does not look good at all um when it when it comes to this stuff. It's um it it's it's not I don't like I don't like much of the new new style. I don't understand it. It's that minimalist thing that they do, but also like I say, especially with Goofy, he looks like a he looks like a stray dog. Yeah, um, you, yeah, stuff, know, so. yeah. But I'll watch it. I mean, they're still funny. Mm-hmm. So but yeah, he does not look good. Well, I mean, it's Disney. They need to be doing as much with Mickey Mouse on this thing as they can. You know, like he's they need Mickey needs to be relevant again. Yep. They lost my interest with Mousterful. <laughs> well, what's the deal, Pickle? You don't like it? You don't like a good, pl- a well placed pun? Look at you stealing Teresa's joke. Hey, Teresa stole it from me first. <laughs> I'm just taking it back. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so some stuff that has come to Disney Plus recently, so it's already out. You can watch it. Once Upon a Time, the entire series is on Disney Plus, and I am so excited because I loved that show, and now I can watch Hook whenever I want to. Uh, Is Once Upon a Time the one that was on ABC? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was and, into that for a while. I was into then, it for a while too, and I lost interest. There was one of those seasons just really drug on. We used to talk about it here on the yeah, show. Yeah, we used to talk about it all the time. And then yeah, was, I think it was like the last season that we were like, meh. Yeah, I don't remember what it was, but. Or maybe it was when Once Upon a Time in Wonderland came out. That was maybe that was it. Yeah. All right, and then the movie Clouds premiered uh, on Disney+. Plus. This is all about a a kid named Zach who's a musician, he, and he discovers that his cancer has spread, and he only has a few months to live, and so he decides to go ahead and make an album, and his music becomes extremely viral and popular. I haven't watched it yet, but it is on my list. Mm, it's on my list. It's getting good reviews. I think I'll let that one go by. <laughs> There's another show that was originally on Disney Channel, and they just put it on Disney Plus. It premiered this year. It's called Owl House. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of good things about this show as well. There is a teenage human named Luce, and she's accidentally sent to the world of Boiling Isles before a trip to a summer camp. And she discovers that she wants to become a witch, but she doesn't have any magical powers. So she teams up with this one character named Edda and a pint-sized demon king. Mm. To learn how to be a witch. Mm. That sounds sounds ominous. I've heard it that it's like Disney Harry Potter. So I don't know what that means exactly, but I'll probably at least check it out. Um I don't know. But then the Sorcerer's Apprentice came to Disney Plus, and as soon as I saw that, I watched it. So the Nick Cage thing? Yes. yes. Oh my god, Nick I love Cage. it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I love it. I'm a sorcerer. <laughs> well, the reason is because I'm in love with Jay Baruchel, who plays the apprentice kid. So he's fantastic. <sighs> Mainly because he plays, oh, what's his name in uh, in the How to Train a Dragon movies? He's the kid. Hiccup. Hiccup. There we go. 
Well, he plays Jay Baruchel, and this is the end too. He was great in that. He plays. Uh, he he's plays. He's also the, in. Uh, he's in uh, Fanboys. He play, Yeah, he was Windows in Fanboys. He was the. Uh, he's, right. he's the Led Zeppelin fan in Almost Famous. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Yep. All right, we ready to talk some cars? Oh my god! Yes. Okay, we don't have the. Wait, fan- we're actually going to talk about cars. Yeah, yeah, we don't have the fanfare, but we do have this. I believe. Hold on. There we go. Okay, here we go. Focus. Speed. Hey, Lightning, you ready? Oh, yeah. The rookie sensation came into the season unknown, but everyone knows him now. You're my hero, Mr. McQueen. Fred, thank you. He knows my name. He knows my name. some organic fuel. Take a car wash, hippie. Ah! This place is crazy. I gotta get out of here. You're funny. I like you already. Folks around here are not firing on all cylinders, if you know what I mean. I know your type. Doc, hold it. These are good folk around here who care about one another. Come on, let's take a drive. A drive? Don't you big city race cars ever just take a drive? Ah, no. Look at that. Look, and they're driving right by. They don't even know what they're missing. Forty years ago, that interstate didn't exist. The town got bypassed just to save ten minutes of driving. When is the last time you cared about something except yourself, Hot Rod? Oh, dude. Are you crying? No, I'm happy. Walt Disney Pictures presents a Pixar Animation Studios film. Do I spot a little pinstriping tattoo back there? Oh, you saw that? On June 9th. <laughs> What's so important about this race of yours? I've been dreaming about it my whole life. A guy who thought he had it all is about to discover (laughs) everything he's been missing. I know that I made a good choice. And what? My best friend. There's a lot of love out there, you know, man. We are back in business. scare you well a little bit but i'll be all right (laughs) (laughs) that is the uh the cars trailer from back in the day this is guys this is um as i recall it's one of the more um controversial uh pixar movies from the get-go it's people just where they were kind of divided as to whether they liked it or not i don't know i'm already about to cry and it's the beginning of this discussion, so whatever. <laughs> All those people who don't like cars, go find your own thing. <laughs> By the way, favorite, you, cars is my favorite Pixar movie. Y'all know how the brain works a lot faster than than people's words do sometimes. All I heard was go, f- and I'm like, no, 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 Dree, a family friendly show. No, I love this movie. Seriously, I'm about to cry. Oh my god, that trailer was great. Even just listening to it. Well, it just seemed to me like when um, when this movie came out, you know, there were already a lot of like just Pixar fans, Erish and 
and they were really into what Pixar had done with with the movies that had came before this, especially like The Incredibles and Toy Story and, and just the storytelling aspect that had been there. And here, like one of the big criticisms I heard was, well, this is they're just back to doing just kids' movies again. Oh, this was not a kids' movie. <laughs> I uh, Listen, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just telling you that I remember this being the one where I heard there were just a lot of people who were saying that they didn't care for this one that much. There's a lot of people that say that the story is shallow, and all I want to say is, well, you're shallow if you don't understand it. Nope. Okay. Because it's a, it's a, it's an extremely deep story, actually. Is it? Is it? Yes. <laughs> okay. Is it? Because, well, I was just going to say that, I'm going to say two things real quick. First off, this is probably my favorite Pixar movie. Yes! Uh, and, and look, the Toy Story movies are all great. The, the Incredibles movies are great. But this movie just always makes me happy. And I have seen this movie a bajillion times. I watched it again this morning, and I was all glassy-eyed at the end. Mm. Uh-huh. Like, I watched just, it last it night. makes me happy. I don't want it to end. Um, and two, as to how deep this movie is. I mean, I guess you could go there, but it's also fairly simple. It's, you know, it, it, it's a straightforward story. You know, a young kid lightning, you know, has like this bright future ahead of him, but he needs to be grounded a little bit before he can really appreciate it. Well, and that's... I don't know how deep you need to get it. <laughs> and and we'll get into some of that as well as we get into talking the story and everything. But before we do that, uh... wait, 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 wait. I want to say something really quick. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say something. Okay, maybe I don't mean deep, Irish. Maybe that's not what I mean. I mean that the story, like, it's not like really. Like I guess it's not deep. What I'm what am I trying to say? It's meaningful. It is simple. It's straightforward. But it is an extremely impactful and meaningful and relevant story meaningful well, impactful and relevant yes i Does think that you could go deep in that it it represents it represents something this country has lost mm. true it's also you know, a relatable on a, story on a number of different levels it, it's there isn't really aside from chick there isn't really a villain in this Pichuga. movie you know, yeah, and he's just and yeah, and he's just there as a foil for lightning. Like he doesn't cause lightning to be stranded. He doesn't call yeah, like he's not he's just a rival out on the right. out on the yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things I like about it though. We'll get into it. We'll get into yeah. it. But let's hold on to that and there's not a villain point. Somebody yes. wrote that write that down. Okay, well um, let's because I think that's important. This this <laughs> came with a short film, so we gotta use this bumper. Back to Stephen Teresa with some information on short films. The bumper longer than the actual short film. Wait, not you yet, history bumper. So I didn't put a link in here. One Man Band was the short film that was that premiered with Cars. Uh, I rewatched it today, and I'm like, "Oh, that one." Oh. <laughs> because, because it was not; it did not resonate with me. And 
you know, it's essentially two people that look like Bert from Mary Poppins that are trying to play music and get this kid's coin. And then they scare her so much that she drops the coin in a sewer drain. And then she decides to play her own music as she gets a big bag of coins and then she entices them and like look i have money and then she throws it into the fountain and walks away okay <laughs> it's kind of like okay i mean it's okay it's not one of the better ones mm. i don't i don't remember it um i'm kind of perusing i'm kind of scrubbing through it right now and uh so yeah yeah, it's 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 okay. Mm-hmm. It's not great. So I, I decided not to focus on it too much. Great. Uh, so, but yes, one man band. Mm. That's the one that premiered with Gars. Well, and we always like to do a little bit of history when we talk about these movies. So let's do that now. I'm sure you know everything there is to know about the castle. Oh, well, actually, I uh, yes, I do. As you can see, the pseudo facade was stripped away to reveal a minimalist Rococo design. Rococo design. Rococo design. (laughs) All right, let's get into cars. Uh, I went a little bonkers because we haven't done one of these in a long time. Yeah, totally nuts. I was like, I must know everything. Oh, Lord. (laughs) But we can cut stuff down. So, okay. Cars premiered on May 26th. 2006 at Lowe's Motor Speedway in Concord, North Carolina. I love that they did their initial like red carpet premiere at a Motor Speedway. Mm-hmm. Hold on, wait. Let's take a poll. Who is a NASCAR fan? Me. Me. Nope. Really? Okay. Well, maybe that's part of the reason. And Steve lives in the heart of it. That's right. <laughs> Don't care about it at all. All right. Well, it was officially released in theaters on June 9th, 2006, and it did get positive reviews. It was also a commercial success. Right. It grossed $462 million worldwide against a budget of $120 million. So, I mean, the kind of the Pixar bar was like a $600 million worldwide. Mm-hmm. was sort of like, you know, how they have always said like why it wasn't as successful but i'm sorry you met your budget and went over so well yeah but look that's but especially and nowadays you think about now some 14 years later 462 million is considered almost a box office flop for these type films yeah that was basically what solo made yeah oh wow mm Ouch. And that's considered a failure. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. But that's another podcast. That's yeah. Come on, geek out loud, Harish. <laughs> All right. And it's opening weekend, it earned sixty point one million dollars. Is that right? Did mm-hmm. I say that right? You're right. Okay. In three thousand nine hundred and eighty five theaters in the United States, and it ranked number one at the box office. And it held on to number one for two weeks before being surpassed by Click. Mm. That's yeah. kind of... That movie's trash. Yeah, that's weird. Click is awful. Uh, and then it was again surpassed by Superman Returns the following weekend. Yeah. Oh. Nah, nah, come on now. Come on, man. I have no opinion on that. 
I don't think I've ever. I don't think I've ever seen it. He is. Listen, I'll give you that. But now the airplane scene is one of the best superhero scenes in all of cinema. Again, I don't think I've ever seen it. Come on, man. He he couldn't take five minutes to tell her that you know what they found pieces of Krypton. I'm gonna go investigate, and I might be gone for a while. Hey, I'm with you. I I understand all of the weaknesses. I'm just talking about that airplane scene was awesome. Come on, man. All right, I'll give that to you. Right. Begrudgingly. Well, you shouldn't begrudge. <laughs> you shouldn't let's, begrudge. Let's get, back to, let's get back to cars. All right. All right. Well, it, like I said, it went on to gross uh, $462 million worldwide, and it was ranked number six overall in the 2006 films. No, I do not know what the other five were because I forgot to look it up. That's fine. Sixth in terms of gross? Yes. Okay. And then... It got $244 million in the United States, which made it the third highest grossing film of 2006 in the U.S. behind Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, and Night at the Museum. Well, I've got your, I've got your top five of the year. Okay, go ahead. Night at the Museum, number five, Casino Royale. Number four, Ice Age, The Meltdown. Number three, number two was The Da Vinci Code. And number one was Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. Oh, da Vinci Code was good. That was 2006. 2006, yeah. Wow, long time ago. Yeah. All right, well, it was the second highest grossing film from Disney behind Dead Man's Chest, and it was the second highest grossing CGI uh, animated film behind Ice Age, The Meltdown. Which is weird to me, but go ahead. That is weird to me. Because, like, what Ice Age is that? Like, five? is the franchise that's following after Land Before Time of just having like sequel yeah just sequel. tons and tons yeah exactly uh, because it's a license to print money for them yeah <laughs> alright so the genesis of the film originally came in 1998 as Pixar was wrapping up A Bug's Life and this guy named Jorgen some name in German he started writing a script called The Yellow Car, which was about an electric car living in a gas-guzzling world inspired by the ugly duckling, and the idea triggered uh, it by the poor reception. It was triggered by the poor reception of the mini EL car. Hmm. Was that something that happened over in, in Europe? I, I guess. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It looks weird. It looks weird. Yeah, it looks very futuristic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I didn't actually look at it. I heard about Oh, weird. Yeah, that is weird. Mm. It looks like a monorail. Yeah, it does. Yes, it looks like a monorail. It looks like the front of the monorail. So this particular idea was scrapped in favor of Toy Story 2, so they went the Toy Story 2 route. And then they came back to it when a person by whose name I won't say went on a cross-country road trip. And... Then after that, the company contacted Michael Wallace, who is a Route 66 historian, and he led 11 Pixar animators in rented white Cadillacs on two different road trips across Route 66 to research the film. Oh, that's fun. And then they also visited the design studios of the big three Detroit automakers to research the design of cars, and they definitely went to uh, Ford Obviously. Who are the other three? Chevy. Is Chevy in Detroit? I I would assume. 
Ford. The big, the Chevy. big three are Ford, Chevy, and Dodge, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, guess. I mean, come on, you guys are the NASCAR fans. I said fans. I like NASCAR. I didn't say I like real cars. <laughs> Ford, <laughs> yeah. General Motors, Ford, and Chrysler. Okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. So, supervising. So, I'm going to get into some of the animation history with this film because there actually is quite a bit. And I didn't ever really realize that until I started doing research for it. So, I thought it was kind of cool. Supervising animator on the film, Scott Clark, said that the challenges of animating car characters was their biggest thing. How do we animate car characters? And one of the things I found they pointed out a lot is changing the eyes from being on the headlights, which you would traditionally see in Mm -hmm. other animations of vehicles. Their headlights were the eyes. I know that's how they did it. I know that's how they did it in Turbo Teen. What is that? Come on, Trip. Well, we'll get there. Okay. Well, they moved it, obviously, to to the windshield. Mm Mm-hmm. And they said that getting a full range of performance and emotion from these characters and making them still seem like cars was a tough assignment. And he continued to say, you use your imagination. Uh-oh, we lost Drew. Sign. There you go. Am I here? You dropped out on imagination. Oh, okay. Let me go back. Okay, so Scott Clark said something. No, he said, you use your imagination and you make the movements and gestures fit with the design. Our car characters may not have arms and legs, but we can lean the tires in or out to suggest hands opening up or closing in. And we can use steering to uh, point a certain direction. We also designed a special eyelid and eyebrow for the windshield that lets us communicate an expressiveness that cars don't have. Mm. Which is something that I love, and that's why I've always wanted one of those sun shields that has the car's eyes, you know? So you, But I want it to match my car, like the same blue color, so it looks like my car is actually from cars mm. when I park my car. Well, and, and moving the eyes up to the windshields was really a brilliant decision mm-hmm. because the windshields are such a large part of the car so it's giving you this large area to animate and express the emotion of the character. Whereas if they'd kept it as the headlights, they're smaller parts of the car, and then you just have this big empty space right. that would have been the windshields. It's, it was a brilliant move. Mm-hmm. Now, another thing they had issues with was character shading. So Thomas Jordan, who is the supervisor on that, explained that chrome and car paint were the main challenges on the film, saying that uh, they were their two main challenges. They started out by learning as much as they could at the local body shop. They would watch them paint a car, and we saw the way they mixed the paint and applied various coats. They tried to dissect what goes into the real paint and recreate it in the computer, and they figured out that they needed a base paint, which is where the color comes from, and the clear coat, which provides the reflection. We were then able to add in things like metallic flake to give it a glittery sparkle, a pearlescent quality that might change color depending on the angle, and even a layer of pinstriping for characters like Ramon. Ramon. So I didn't even think about the fact that they would have to research all of that. Mm-mm. That's a like you think of when you think of animating challenges, you think of people's hair. But mm-hmm. I will say this: like when it comes to cars, and you watch and you see 
um, especially on some of the close-ups, especially when they're in the lights of the uh, of like the big stadium and everything. Um, you're really aware of how much those lights are bouncing off the the finish and everything of these cars. It's um it, it is an impressive thing to look at. Yeah. Well, there's that in the 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 first race in the movie where lightning is running up against the wall mm-hmm. and the light catches the side of the car and his lightning bolt reflects onto the wall. Yes. Yep. Was like a really cool animated scene. Yeah. And that kind of plays into this, Arish. Uh, supervising technical director uh, Eben Ostby explained that the biggest challenge for the technical team was creating the metallic and painted surfaces of the car characters and the reflections that those surfaces generate. He said, given that the stars of our film are made of metal, uh, the director of the film had a real desire to see realistic reflections and more beautiful lighting than we've seen in any of our previous films. And in the past, we've mostly used environment maps and other map-based technology to cheat reflections. But for cars, we added a ray tracing capability to our existing rendering program to raise the bar. So they had to even do that. Like that, just all of that. It's like not stuff I wouldn't even thought of. Right. And it's there. And when you know about it and then you watch this movie, you're like, oh, dang. And, and, and I'm thinking exactly that because I have the movie on in the background here as we're talking. And as you're talking about all the, the reflection stuff, all of a sudden I'm noticing it in the cars. Mm-hmm. You know, Sally at, at – that you know driving through flows and you can see like a stack of motor oil like reflecting off her side or when red hoses lightning down mm. there's the big was it bessie the big uh tarring the, machine yeah it's like reflected on his on the front of his truck and i had never noticed that before and it's it's awesome yeah, and, and like conversely, I just was I'm I've got it going too, Erish, and I just saw Doc pull up to the to the police officer there and and you can see Doc in the reflection of the police officer's paint while they're having the conversation and everything right next to each other. It's just Yeah. Like it's stuff you don't really think of that I wouldn't think of to animate and do and it just adds such a depth to to everything that goes on just the look of it all it's just it, yep. it's one of those amazing things that pixar does so well now one of the biggest controversies with cars and i remember this vividly for some reason uh is that it was supposed to come out in november of 2005 but in 2004, they pushed the date back to 2006. And when people have looked at that, they think it had to do with the contract between Pixar and Disney. And we've talked about this on Disney Vault Talk a little bit before. But Cars was supposed to be the last Disney Pixar film. Because I remember being in the theater and that being on a title card for this when it was in its teaser phase of saying, you know, the last Disney Pixar film cars. And then it got pushed back and everybody didn't really know why. And then all of a sudden we hear that Disney has bought Pixar. And so it was this, it very well could have gotten cut Hmm. because it was on that cusp of all of that happening. And so a lot of people look at it that 
Pixar was preparing for the end of that contract and releasing this on their own, and then it had to get pushed back because of that contract. So, I don't know. It was just kind of weird, and I was always really wanting to see this movie, and I remember being scared it wasn't going to come out. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't following that closely in 2006. I was was, uh, defending Superman Returns to people like Arish. Uh, you know, Bob Iger had uh, his his book come out last year, mm-hmm. and it, it, for you or any listeners who are interested, he goes into a lot of detail about the negotiations and Disney buying Pixar, um, and he goes he goes into all of it with Star Wars and Marvel and all that stuff too. It's a really really interesting read, mm-hmm. and I definitely recommend it if you're interested in the business side of these big uh these big franchises that we love and you know disney basically becoming this behemoth with all of them yeah i actually am i've been meaning to read that but you know you just keep releasing more and more star wars books i have to read (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't just uh it wasn't just the disney flat out buying pixar like you know he they had the woo the person that i guess we're not saying his name nope and uh and a number of other people and part of part of the way that they did it was that they told the person who will not be named they told can we just call him voldemort it's so much easier who are we not uh, naming okay i'm just gonna say it right now because people are probably confused I'm not mentioning John Lasseter's name because of the things that he has been accused of. And I am just, it makes me really sad. And so I just want to pretend like he doesn't exist. Well, you can't pretend he doesn't exist. I mean, like, well, that's the way the world works these days. You get canceled. Well, no, it just, it just, I mean, yes, he had a lot to do with the success of a lot of this stuff, but it just hurts my heart. So he had a lot to do. He basically, I know was a success. I know. Of Pixar. Anyway, Part of the thing that made the sale happen was that Iger told him, we don't want to just buy Pixar. We want you to take over Disney Mm -hmm. animation. Yep. Um, You know, we want you to come in and do for us what you've been able to do at Pixar. We want that Pixar culture and stuff. And, you know, it's a very savvy move because at that point, Lasseter could have been just gone to jobs and be like, no. You're not well, doing this to us. And Lasseter had a bad taste in his mouth too, because he did work on the Walt Disney Pictures yep. or Walt Disney Pictures animation side, and mm-hmm. then he had kind of a falling out with them, and he ended up over at Pixar. So that was, yeah, you're right. It was an incredibly smart move. All right, so let's move on to DVDs. This is one of my favorite parts. So Cars was released on DVD in wide and full screen editions on November 7th, 2006 in the U.S. and Canada. Do y'all remember when that was a thing? You had to look and see if you were getting wide or full screen. Mm-hmm. Of course I do. <laughs> I used to always be like, I want full screen. And then realize that I was actually missing part of the film if it was in full screen. <laughs> Oh my gosh. The release included the DVD exclusive short film Mater and the Ghost Light and One Man Band. And there was a 16 minute long documentary about the film entitled Inspiration for Cars. This would also be the last Disney film 
slash Disney Pixar film to be released on VHS. It had a VHS that came out February 19th, 2007 to members of Disney's home video clubs. I never had this VHS. If anything, I only had this on DVD. I believe it was the first Blu-ray, too, for them. I I don't remember. I know that it did come out on Blu-ray. I thought I just saw that on the the IMDb trivia section. Oh, maybe. So, 5 million copies of the DVD were sold in the first two days that it was available. And the first week, it sold 6.2 million units and 15.3 million in total. So, unlike... It was. It did really well. Well, here's the thing. It was that's, regular, regular rotation from my nephews well, when they were. Oh my there gosh! There you go, Eric. That's that's the thing. This movie became super big with kids. Yeah. Um, they had all the cars, cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they mm-hmm. were totally bigger than, like, honestly, bigger than Toy Story. Definitely yep. bigger than A Bug's Life. Obviously, bigger than Incredibles. This thing, this thing blew up huge for the kids, and it became like a really. <clears throat> easily marketable deal for for Disney and I think that you know where it was like the sixth highest grossing film of 2006 is one thing but it just like so many and this is one of those last movies to be able to do this is in its home video life is where I mean you look you're talking about 15 million units in total sold for uh it, you know That's for a DVD million dollars yeah, that's, you know, that's the run of some movies. And it, it just continued yeah. on after that. You know, that's not even bringing into the toy sales and everything else that was going on. Because I'm telling you, kids loved cars. Well, and, and they anybody, still do. Anybody who has kids, especially little boys, playing with cars is like just part of a little boy growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, so now you've got a movie where the cars that you play with, and a lot of these cars were very similar to styles that you see in Matchbox and Hot Wheels. Mm-hmm. Now they're alive and talking and are having these adventures and stuff. It just fits right into being a four, five, six-year-old little boy. Yep. Yeah, we're actually going to talk about... And I'm not six- saying girls don't play with them either, but you know, for boys, it was very much a thing. You know, oh, I yeah. Like a hundred Matchbox cars when I was a kid. Yeah, and I'm actually, part of the success of this movie has to do with the merchandise, and so I made sure to grab some of that information. Um, So, let's see, where was I? Okay, so unlike previous DVD releases, this did not have a two-disc special edition. It was released on Blu-ray in 2007, a year after the DVD release, and Irish, you are right, it was the first Pixar film to be released on Blu-ray. And it was released as a Blu-ray disc and DVD combo pack and DVD-only edition in 2011. And then the film was released for the first time in 3D in 2013 as part of the Cars Ultimate Collector's Edition, which included a Blu-ray, a Blu-ray 3D, and DVD. It was... You remember that back in the day when we thought we were going to be watching 3D movies at home? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. And then it was released on 4K Blu-ray in 2019. Mm-hmm. Now, really quick on the awards, because I didn't know about some of the awards, and I am really sad that I didn't know it back then, but I'm so happy that I know it now. 
It had a highly successful run during the 2006 awards season. Many film critic associations, such as the Broadcast Film Critics Association and the National Board of Review, named it the best animated feature film of 2006. It also received the title of best reviewed animated feature of 2006 from Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Randy Newman and James Taylor received a Grammy Award for the song Our Town, which was later nominated for the Academy Award for Best Original Song. It lost to a song called I Need to Wake Up from An Inconvenient Truth. Hmm. The film also earned an Oscar nomination for Best Animated Feature alongside Monster House, but it lost to Happy Feet. I don't know if I can really be angry about that, though. Well, you are Mm -hmm. the penguin person. (laughs) It was also selected as the favorite family movie at the 33rd People's Choice Awards. Now, this is a big one, and I didn't realize how big this was, but it won the inaugural Golden Globe Award for Best Animated Feature Film. Is that That, really a big one? Well, Well, it's the first one. Golden Globes are the second biggest award show to the Academy Awards. So... On, like, a public award, I feel like that's, you know, those are it. Like, you go for the Golden Globe and the Oscar. The, the Golden Globes are garbage. Okay, well... The Oscars are garbage, let's be honest. Yes, but at least the Oscars, it's the people who are making the movies that are voting on it. The Golden Globes is the international movie press, and basically you throw them a big junket, they're going to give you an award. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, I think it's cool. And the award... Eric is a fun killer, Teresa. Don't you worry about him. (laughs) I have my triggers. (laughs) I looked at this, and the award has only existed for 14 years, and Disney has won it 10 times. Yeah. And counted. And I was like, dang. All right. Now, okay, here. Here you go, Eric. It did also... That's probably true of the... The Academy Award for animated movies, too. I bet you Disney slash Pixar has won the majority of those as well. Well, I didn't go count. <laughs> Just saying. Okay, That's, but this, this one, apparently, apparently this is a prestigious award. So I don't know if you have any trash to say about this. Uh, Cars won the highest award for animation, and it got the best animated feature of the Annie Awards. Is that bad? don't know who the annie awards are so i think the annie awards are if it's awards. industry people who are voting on it then yes i will well i think it's great it's the los angeles branch of the international animated film association okay and it's been presented each year since 1972 to recognize excellence in animation shown in cinema and television if it's all the former actresses who played Annie, then it doesn't hold that much as much weight. But. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. When are we going to talk about cars? We are. We're getting there. We're getting there. Okay. In 2008, the American Film Institute nominated the film for its top 10 animated film list. All right. So here's the thing about merchandise that I wanted to bring up. Merchandise based on the film. I these found this on the web. Hey, be quiet. <laughs> My watch is talking to me. These stats are from 2011. So let's just put that into perspective. The movie mm-hmm. came out in 2006. Merchandise based on the film. Bro 
broke records for retail sales of merchandise based on a Disney Pixar film at an estimated $10 billion up to five years after the film's release. Yeah. So I, I don't doubt that at all. Yep. Yeah. So it puts it in the revenue ranks of Star Wars and Harry Potter. Well, sure. Yeah. Because they basically treated these like the Star Wars, you know, action figures. Yep. How, how many different Lightning McQueen cars did they put out? Oh, a bunch. You know, it was I like, have like almost all of them. Yeah, it was like Luke Skywalker and his eleventy-two different outfits. They put out Lightning McQueen and eleventy-two different paint styles from the movie. Or Darth Vader on just three different, three or three hundred different cards. Yeah. yeah. So I want to put that in perspective for people that are listening. So, and this is from two thousand eleven. In two thousand eleven, Pixar's cumulative worldwide box office for its 11 feature films was $6.3 billion, and Cars merchandise had reached $10 billion. I don't know, like, even now, I see some Toy Story stuff here and there on the shelves, but I don't know that there's been, an, been a successful merchandising campaign uh, for Pixar as much as Cars. I just don't think there has no. been, and I don't know that there will be. You know, they, they Pixar has just transitioned back into you know, being very story conscious and everything, which is, you know, is great for the movies, but they haven't had anything that's as marketable as the car stuff since then. Well, well and the it, car stuff is great. There's Funko cars. There's die cast cars. I have so many die cast cars. I even have tiny die cast cars that are like an inch big. Well, and that's the thing that worked so well for cars is the toy for cars was a matchbox or a Hot Wheels car. Mm -hmm. It's something that's already on the shelves. You're not having to reinvent the wheel for it. You're just putting the car spin on it. And it, they're relatively affordable. I think yeah. at the time they were like three to five bucks yep. for a character car. So, you know, that that's it, it's hard for a parent not to get their kid a car's car when they're going through a Target or Walmart at that price point. And yeah. there was like 500 different characters. Every character in this movie got a car made. Mm -hmm. Oh, and there's so many. <laughs> so many. Yeah, at least one version. Yeah. So it, it worked. It just, it just hit perfectly for the toy market. I remember having to be on the lookout for a dock for some friend's son. Like that was the one they couldn't find, and I wish I had a dock right now. I would love to have that on my desk. <laughs> so okay, so in my toy hunt, there was there's been two or three lines of Funko Pop cars, and there was Doc Hudson, who I did manage to get, and then that came out with Cars 3, there was a Lightning McQueen where he was painted like Doc Hudson when he's Cruz's crew chief. And that took me forever to find. And I finally found it. And I have Lightning as Doc and Doc next to each other. No, And they make me happy. Nice. So I'm going to skip over because we need to talk about the movie. But mm -hmm. there's a lot of Easter eggs in Cars. Um there's two I want to point out, just two. Uh, the brand of tires 
that they are that all the racers have is Lightyear, Lightyear mm. Buzzard tires, <laughs> Buzz Lightyear. Anybody? Right, right, Anybody? right. Nice. Also, Lightning McQueen's number is number 95, which is for the year Toy Story was released. And then there is a car in the opening race scene whose number is 84, and that's a reference to Apple for the year that the first Macintosh computer came out. Right. Is, that the, is that the car that's white with literally an Apple on it? I think so, yeah. I think it's that car. Yeah. Um, the contrails from planes flying yep, overhead? Yeah, they're tire tracks. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of fun facts I'm going to mention as we, because um, I yeah, know everybody loves lot, fun there's facts. There's a lot of racing cameos I have, and racing history that's baked into the story also. Yeah, I have tons of fun facts, so I'll bring them up as we talk about the movie instead of having a whole fun fact. Well, I want, I want to come back to, because as we started to kind of talk about it, one of the things we mentioned was the lack of an antagonist. You know, that mm-hmm. Lightning McQueen is kind of his own antagonist in this thing. Yep. Because yeah. it is, it's very much a man-against-himself kind of journey uh, for this character. And, um, and, and at this time, I mean, because if you look at Toy Story, you had, you know, you had... Uh, Buzz and Woody kind of at odds, but then there was also Sid involved. You had the grasshopper in A Bug's Life. Obviously, you had Syndrome in Incredibles, you know. And so, you know, the, the, and, and two, the superhero movie around this time was really coming into its own. We hadn't hit the Marvel Cinematic Universe yet, but we'd had Batman Begins, of course, Superman Returns in 2006. Spider-Man had started that amazing run with the Sam Raimi films and all, and that launched a bunch of other different Marvel movies, some to better success than others. But but the idea of of having a having a racing-based film and not really having a bad guy, it turning into more of a just a personal journey of growth for a character is really kind of an interesting direction to take. Uh, for mm-hmm. a movie like this, Irish. Yeah. So. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. Well, and one of the things that I really love, and I think that's, I think this is like the key point of why Cars is my favorite, is the fact that there isn't a direct villain, that this story is about finding out that there is more to life than money and fame and that your relationships and your family and your friends and the you know, all of that is just so much more important. And I like following the journey of lightning and him discovering that and figuring it out. And that, that is what matters. And because I feel like a lot of us in our lives, sometimes we get lost in that journey of trying to figure out what we're supposed to be doing with ourselves. And we forget that our friends and our family are, the most important thing and what measures our true success. And I feel like that story is just timeless and I, it hits home every time I watch it every single time. It's oddly prescient right now too, with so many of us locked down, Mm -hmm. so many of us working from home. Uh, You know, I have not been in my off to my office in New York city since middle of March um, I haven't been into New York City since the middle of March. Uh, I've been out here in my apartment in New Jersey, but I have colleagues who were living in the city and have moved back home. Um, it's in a lot of ways where a lot of us are getting back to 
a simpler life, which is what Radiator Springs represents in this movie. Um, and I would love to live in a place like Radiator Springs oh gosh, right me now. Me too. <laughs> me too. Well, oh my also, gosh. also with this though, like Lightning is a little bit naive, and I don't mean he's naive because he's big city coming to small town. No, he's like, young. He hasn't lived yet. I mean, we have to realize that Lightning is probably like what nineteen, twenty years old in terms of like a human. If he yeah, were yeah, so in character. car years, he's like five. <laughs> but also, but also, like just his scope of um, of experience is really bound to the racetrack. Yeah, like he's absolutely ignorant of of any life outside of the racing world, and you know, and and because he goes, he races, he gets in the he gets in uh, into the truck and is carried to the next race. Yeah, I was just gonna say he's not outside of the racetrack he's not even in the world right no i mean he doesn't he's, even he's have headlights he's got stickers for headlights exactly <laughs> that's a great point that is, that is a great point by the way i love that sally just calls him stickers throughout the movie yeah well and i don't know if you guys know this uh but greg and i have always seen a lot of oh, reflection yeah, we've seen a lot of reflection of ourselves in Lightning and Sally, and they have always been our Disney couple, is Lightning and Sally. Mm. So I do actually call Greg stickers. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I just think that there's just something about it. I mean, he was from Chicago. He's, you know, he was constantly on the move, on the go, doing stuff, you know, and just all those things. And then he met me and I'm like, slow down, slow (laughs) down. We're in Texas now. (laughs) And so there's just been a lot of parallels there. And, and so, yeah, I do. I call Greg stickers. Um, yeah, it was pretty, it's pretty cute. But anyway, so there's just like, I, like y'all were saying this story and it, there's like a bigger part to it, right? There's lightning story but then there's also the fact that Radiator Springs got passed up for the interstate and now people aren't paying attention to it anymore and that that happens in our real lives. You know, there's a lot of places that roads went through and like Sally says, they winded and flowed with the with the land and now there's just all these interstates that are cutting through everything and you miss a lot of the stuff that exists all on these roadways. And that was part of the point that I was trying to make about it being prescient right now is that like those of us who are working from home, a lot of us are finding that we can't, we don't have to live in the big city. We can do our job from radiator Springs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And a lot of companies are realizing that too. We don't need to be in the big city. We can allow our people to live in radiator Springs their quality of life is better. They're more productive at work because of it. Like it, it's, we're finding this kind of path back to Radiator Springs during this horrible pandemic that we're in. And mm-hmm. for some of us, for some people, you know, the lucky ones. Well, and and I'll say this uh, about that whole aspect of it. Like it is, it is a poignant moment when they're up on the up on the mountain and they look across and he sees the interstate and he says, 
People are just driving by and not even noticing this. How is that possible? Because he's in awe of everything. And they use Route 66, which, you know, truly, you know, Route 66, what it's called now historic Route 66 because of it used to be the thing to go drive Route 66. And and it was the, the, the main road from place to place until the interstate comes along. And... And what you found out is a lot of these towns dried up. A lot of these places were abandoned because, you know, the, the people stopped being tourists. Nowadays, it's kind of coming back a little bit because of the nostalgia and because of people wanting to, you know, do these things again. But ultimately, you know, what I like about this this film is it's not saying, hey, you know, cars are destroying the world. It's saying we're destroying ourselves. Because we're missing out on on the simple things, we're missing out yeah. on the good, you know, and and I think that is is such a is such a more powerful message for everyone to hear than just about any of the other like uh, messages and causes that people kind of get caught up in. You know, yep. you, you're talking about a town full of, in this instant, you know, cars and characters who. Um, who their livelihood and and their very existence was devastated by people forgetting that they were there, you know, mm-hmm. and and this is something that has happened across our society because we got faster and more and we wanted to get there quicker and and not do the old simple slow down and smell the roses kind of thing. But you also miss out on just the joy. One of my favorite things to do, you know, since I've gotten older, of course, is to just come to these little towns that still have a little bit of like a a fun downtown kind of thing, you know, where it may not be the the fanciest of places, but there's always something kind of special there, you know. And there are people that have had their little shops there for years and... And sometimes it's the same old junk you see at every other shop in, in in a little town like that. But then every now and again, there's this treasure that you find that is like you would have never found it at uh, at at a at a big box store or or in a mall or something. Not that I don't love those kind of places and go to those kind of places all the time, but but there's but just they don't have the heart. That the small exactly, has. exactly. Yeah. You know, and so it's 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 that kind of thing that I love about this that I like about this movie and the message that I enjoy is like. Because you really did have an opportunity, like, you know, the original dude saying, well, it was an electric car that was being picked on by all the gasoline cars. You know, you really did have have an opportunity to be very preachy about other issues that people are very passionate about. But instead, I think that what this movie does is it gets to the heart of something deeper, you know, and, and not, not that it's a, it would go back to what we originally said, not that it's a very deep point to be made. But it is an impactful point, and it's a meaningful point to be made that is u- uh, universal, I guess is the word I want to use. is yeah. Whereas some people may relate to one cause or another cause, everyone can relate to the need to, hey, come out of your world for a little bit. Come out of your world and, and, and get to know the people around you. Make real friendships. Have real people in your life that matter. And, and and that's what means more than any of this other junk a lot of times that we race and, and rush to do. Put down your phone at dinner and talk to people. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. do that too. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, it kind of is the same thing. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we were talking about Historic Route 66, and there's some things that I do want to point out. Um, the mountain range that surrounds Radiator Springs 
is called Cadillac Range, and it's actually a reference to Cadillac Ranch, which I have actually seen. Cadillac Ranch is in Amarillo, Texas, and you do see like a brief of this in the movies where they have these Cadillacs that are like kind of buried in the sand and their tires are up in the air. And so Cadillac Ranch is on Route 66, so it's it's pretty cool. Uh, and so they have it named Cadillac Range. Also, I thought you guys would appreciate this cute little fun fact. Uh, that when a car is hit by a laser in Lightning McQueen's dream, there's a Wilhelm scream. Oh, nice. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I also think it's important to point out Lightning McQueen is actually named after animator Glenn, McQ- Glenn McQueen and he died in 2002 so that's how he got his name Oh, I, I always thought it was like an homage to like Steve McQueen Mm-mm. okay I mean I really did there- that's, that's what I thought it was, it was like because he was wasn't Steve McQueen in like car movies and stuff back in the day yes yeah yeah so there's one of the most famous cinematic car chases of all time. Right, a bullet. Yeah. Oh. So, so uh, there's one thing that I found really interesting. We were talking about how we kind of. I think we all love Doc. Uh, I just think Doc Hudson's character is amazing. Mm-hmm. So he gets Doc Hudson sort of gets dismissed from the racing community because he can't race is fast and he comes back from a major crash well apparently that parallels to something in real racing that i didn't know about i discovered it uh so in 1955 hudson uh hudson hornets were a popular and successful choice for a stock car and due to their low center of gravity, which gave them excellent stability on the dirt tracks used at the time. However, Hudson used older flathead technology in their engines. And by 1955, GM, Ford, and Chrysler had all developed more powerful overhead valve V8 engines. And so the Hudsons were phased out and no longer considered competitive. Huh. So kind of cool that they picked a Hudson car. Yeah. Uh, for that character, and of course, I mean, you're not going to know that unless you research that. But I think that's awesome, personally. Wow! Like, wow! That I'll, is actually really, really cool. I also think it's cool that they got um, people like Richard Petty and mm-hmm. um, and obviously Dale Earnhardt Jr. You know, Michael Schumacher, Daryl Waltrip. Yep. You know, to be voices, yep. but then Bob Costas. Was doing yeah. announcing, Bob you know. Cutlass. I mean, yeah. Bob <laughs> I mean, look, Bob Costa. I mean, getting Bob Costa to do this is because he is. That's a voice you recognize from turning on any sport, you know, whether it's NASCAR or whatever. You recognize Bob Costa. I thought that was just really, really kind of cool. And then um, I'm seeing here that Jess Harnell yep. did uh, did the Governor, spin the Governor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, has a Hummer too, which was brilliant. But Jess yeah. Harnell is, of course, the voice of um, Yakko Warner from the Animaniacs. A lot of different voices he's done, but he's also the lead singer of the unofficial house band of the Goliverse, uh, Rock Sugar. So, oh, really? Yep. Well, and of course, Mario Andretti makes an appearance. Yeah. And uh, Jay Leno is Jay Limo. Mm-hmm. 
They and got and, a lot of people to do stuff. And you know, and Jay boxes. Jay loves cars and stuff. He, that's his thing. His is his, his. He's a collector of cars and everything. So. Now, I do want to mention, of course, Paul Newman. Paul Newman was Doc Hudson, and this was actually his last feature film before his death. He died of lung cancer in 2008, and it actually turned out to be the highest grossing movie of his career. Wow. Same for George Carlin. And same for George Carlin. Uh, George Carlin died of of heart failure. Teresa Uh, and I were reading the same notes. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So I think all of that's really cool. And I always, you know, after Paul Newman died, you know, when they were bringing back for Cars 3 and they were talking about bringing back Doc Hudson uh, in ways in that movie, I was like, how are you going to do that? First of all, like, how are you going to acknowledge one that he died and how are they going to do that? We'll talk about it when we get to Cars 3. But I just thought how they ended up doing it was very, very cool. And then Joe Ranft, um, this was the last Pixar film that he worked on. Uh, he died in a car crash in 2005. Hmm. And he was red in this film, um, The Fire Engine. Well, Newman, uh... Newman was really proud of his performance in mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. He felt it was one of his best performances since The Verdict. Wow. Um he Paul Newman also has a huge history in racing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, there is a brilliant documentary that came out in uh when did this come out? In 2015 called Winning the Racing Life of Paul Newman that if you're a fan of all this like I highly recommend watching it. Uh the Newman Haas racing team is one of the most successful teams in racing. Mm-hmm. Um like he had a huge, huge career in racing alongside his acting. And so this was just kind of a natural fit for him. It like just plugged right into like everything that he loved this role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many, there's so much cool stuff in here. Um, one of the last fun facts I want to mention because Fillmore, I, of course I love Lightning and Sally, but Fillmore is kind of like my second favorite character <laughs> or my favorite side character. Is that the George Carlin character? Yes. <laughs> He's named after the famous Fillmore Auditorium or Fillmore West, which was a highly popular music venue in the 60s and 70s. And its focal point of it was the focal point of music and arts for counterculture and the hippie movement. So that's part of the reason that I love it so much. And I, I just I I've always kind of been obsessed with like 60s hippie culture. And I just one of my favorite lines in this whole movie, well he has two that I love, but the one I love the most is when he's like, I'm telling you, man, every third blink is slower. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Erish, oh I was kind of surprised because of the reception amongst people my age and around our age with this movie, you know, 14 years ago that where, um, you know, the rise of the geek was happening. The geek was taking over at cinema. You know, our, our generation was, was kind of coming into power and entertainment and everything. And, um, and it was like when this movie hit it for a lot of people that in the circles that I ran anyway, the attitude was, well, this is a step backwards for Pixar. 
But you were excited to come on and talk about this with us. What is it about this movie that that you love so much? I think that I just I lo- look. It's it's got Paul Newman in it, mm-hmm. so right off the bat, uh, it, it is is there a cooler dude than Paul Newman? <laughs> I, I don't think there is. Mm. Um, also, I, I I got it's got Bonnie Hunt in it, and I have yeah. a major crush on Bonnie Hunt. <laughs> I have for years. Uh, so I just, I love the Sally character. I just, it, it has heart and warmth that I, re- it, like I said earlier in the pod, I just watched this movie and it makes me happy. I love the music in it. Oh, yes. Um, there's just so, and, and I kind of, like, it's also nostalgic for me because it's when my nephews were young, when they were like, four or five like i said this was in constant rotation with them and playing with the cars cars with them and stuff Mm -hmm. like that so there's just a lot about it i think that when i i initially saw it and i'm sure i saw this in the theater i I, i'm i'm sure i liked it but i didn't i wasn't coming out carrying a torch for it it's over the years it's kind of grown into this movie that i really i I could not get tired of watching this movie. Wow. And, and I have seen this movie. I, I couldn't even begin to count how many times I've seen parts of it, at least. Um, today was the first time I've actually watched it beginning to end in a long, long time. Like, I'd completely forgotten about that whole alien invasion dream sequence. At the- <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, where did this come from? Is this new to Disney Plus? Um, but yeah, there's just, I remember, uh, a few years ago when, um, when Star Wars Celebration was out at, out in Anaheim and the day before the, I'd flown out a couple days early with my middle nephew, Ethan, who listeners of Geek Out Loud, they, they know Ethan. Sure. Um, and we'd gone to Disney We'd gone to Disneyland during the day with some of my Delray peeps. And then in the late afternoon, we switched over to uh, the California Adventure. And I met up with with Trisha Barr and uh, Geek K and uh, Sarah and Richard were there and a bunch of other people. And I'd never been to California Adventure before. And so we went through Cars Land during the day, but then... They, they all being the experienced Disney goers, they're like, oh, it's almost sundown. We got to get over to Cars Land right now. And when the sun set, then like all the, the neon lights come up and they start playing the life will be a dream. They play Shaboom. Yeah, thing. And it was just magic for me. Hmm. Like that moment, I'll never forget that moment. It was so cool. I and would, they have like yeah. the life size car characters there driving around they're like remote controlled or something like that but like their eyes move and everything so like you know there's mater and there's lightning and there's sally and stuff and it was just like you just literally are stepping right into the movie and that moment with the song playing and all the neon lit up and stuff was so cool 
and I think Sarah Richard was they're doing some weird live stream thing and kept sticking a camera in her some face. weird live stream thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, who's who's sitting now and watching this right now? But mm. anyway, well, okay, I want to piggyback off that really quick. I was going to mention that. So I knew that that happened, and my first time there, I. Me and Greg specifically got snacks and we sat down on a bench right outside of Flo's and waited for sundown. And the way that they light the neon, it comes from the front of Radiator Springs to the back, just like it does in the movie. And Shaboom starts playing and then they roll out Lightning and Mater. And there's something about the way when they roll out at that point that they have a little bit of a bounce to them like they're dancing to Shaboom. And I lost it. I was in just, I was like, this is the best thing (laughs) I've ever seen in my life. And oh my gosh, I have so many pictures of me in Radiator Springs, like where I'm sitting with the Route 66 sign. I have pictures of me and DJ because DJ comes out and he plays music and with red. Oh, oh my gosh. And then, of course, Radiator Springs Racers, that ride, especially when they get to the waterfall and they play Lightning and Sally's song. Oh my god! It's like, it's one of the best rides. That just seriously, like the immersion in Cars Land at California Adventure is one of the best things in the world. And especially if this movie means as much to you as it does to me, I just I could sit in Radiator Springs all day and not leave. And it doesn't help that they have the cozy cones, which are all kinds of different food. <laughs> so I could, I could just sit there and eat at the cones all day. Uh, but yeah, it's it's amazing. Well, you guys you guys mentioned that when they turn the neon on, they play Shaboom, and I guess the last thing I want to talk about is the car soundtrack. Yes, because uh, it's one of the few Pixar movies that has an actual soundtrack. You've got the score by Randy Newman, um, but then you've got a bunch of other songs that are either original songs or or um, or or covers. Yeah, there's Rascal Flatts doing that song, but. Uh, you know, they've got John Mayer covering Chuck Berry's Route 66 on the end. Uh, Brad Paisley has the Behind the Clouds sign that I guess is like uh, lightning. And um... Here, here's, here's an interesting thing on the Chuck Berry tune. Yeah. I read this in the IMDb trivia. Yeah, they went to Berry's people specifically wanting to use that song. And Barry's people were clueless about it. <laughs> oh, wow. They don't know what you're talking about. They didn't know Get Your Kicks on Route 66? Yeah, they, they didn't know it. Wow. Um, that's, not, that's hard to believe. And so the Pixar people helped them track it down. Hmm. That's cool. Now, again, this is, you know, somebody writing this on the IMDb page, so who knows how true that is. Well, it's a version. It's not the... So there's a version of Route 66 that's a more toned-down version that's on the B-side that they didn't know about. Uh, My favorite song is actually Find Yourself by Brad Paisley, and it was an original, I believe, that was written for the movie, and it kind of just highlights that entire journey that Lightning McQueen goes on of having to find himself as a person and what matters. And, oh, I love that song. I cry almost every time I hear it. Oh, so good. When you find yourself 
Mm-hmm. So, and of course, we play Cheryl Crow for Teresa. That's her walkout music. Is yep. is real gone by by Cheryl Crow, and um, and I and and I'm really upset about. I still to this day wish they'd have just used Tom Cochran's Life as a Highway instead of Rascal Flats, but that's none of my business. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I love the soundtrack. Gotta make it I, contemporary and sell albums, Steve. Arish, you put one next to the other, and one is better than the other. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, True. I'm not disagreeing. Can with you, you can you play just a little tiny bit of McQueen and Sally? Uh, yeah, sure, I sure yes. can. By Randy Newman, it's one of the, it's part yeah. of the score. Also, I think it's it's important to point out that on the um, on, on the actual on the actual score side of things, Randy Newman, this is a different kind of sound for him a lot in a lot of ways. It seems like you know we know Randy Newman a lot of times for a little bit more jazzy kind of stuff, you know, but he really leans into the into the country stuff and then the big pageantry stuff as well. Yeah, in this one, so um, I have to admit something else that. I wasn't aware of until today. What's that? That Michael Mc- Michael Keaton is the voice of Chick Hicks. Yes. I didn't realize that I either. Had, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, Kachuga. which, which race car driver do they have doing that? Because Mr. The King is is Richard Petty. Right. Um, so I just assumed it was another race car driver doing Chick Hicks. I had no idea it was Michael Keaton. Yeah, I didn't know that either until I saw it on the notes as well, Irish. That Batman... Thunder always comes after lightning. He's so good, too. Yeah, yep. Indeed, indeed. So, well, guys, I I tell you, I this is a fun movie, and I absolutely enjoy it. Um, we we got to talk about one more bit of brilliance okay. in this movie. And that is the end credit sequences. Oh my god! Oh, with all the yes. movies, with all the, yes. the Pixar movies as car yeah. movies. Toy Story, A Bug's Life, Monsters Inc. Uh, Wally is in there. He's in a modified piston cup scene. Um, they make references to several shorts too: Nick Knack, For the Birds, and Bounden. Uh, yes, yeah. But Toy Story and A Bug's Life and Monsters Inc. as as cars characters and then they made the cars the toys which is just oh i love it um and then the, not only that but then using john ratzenberger to make fun of him doing oh yeah voices <laughs> all the voices all sound the same yeah all the voices sound the same yeah <laughs> oh and one other quick thing that i love too is when you see bugs flying around in the movie they're, they're volkswagen bugs yep. yeah that's good stuff Good, good stuff. Well, um, guys, uh, it's a fun movie, and it has been fun to talk about. And and I always like when we have some stuff where we don't have to just kind of talk about it and get very, um, uh, you know, just academic on it. But but there's true, true enjoyment that comes out from us when we're talking about these things. And and you know, and I know that's with most things we do, but sometimes there are movies that we're just like, well, let's, you know, this is really a feature. I, Pinocchio. All right, let's. I'll just say it. Um, everything's. I'm glad it wasn't a Pinocchio show. Um, 
but uh, but it is good to have you guys on, and it's good to be back together doing this kind of stuff. So um, I, I really appreciate it. Erish, do you is there anything going on that you need people to know about or want people to know about? <laughs> okay. <laughs> no plugs or anything? No? No. I, I have nothing on Twitch. Okay. <laughs> Thrawn Ascendancy I, 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 Chaos Rising is a good audio book. Does that mm. matter? Well, thank you. Thank You're you. welcome. <laughs> we have, uh, if you like the, the wars and the stars, we've got uh, the second from a certain point of view book coming out oh, in a yep. couple weeks for Empire Strikes Back. That thing is huge. Um, and uh, and then at the beginning of January, we launched the High, uh, Republic! High Republic, the big new epic uh era in star wars storytelling mm. with uh charles souls's novel the light of jedi all right so there, well i plugged a couple things there you go Irish. and uh and i neither have a twitch but Teresa, how can people get in touch with us if they want to oh well next up you guys will be ratatouille so oh. that's exciting i'll get to talk about can i share recipes on that one yes great Okay, so if you want to get a hold of us in between shows, send us an email, especially with your thoughts on cars, to vaulttalk at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Disney Vault Talk. We are on Twitter at Disney Vault Talk. You can find me on all social medias, including TikTok at Ice Cold Penguin. Steve is at Steve Glasson. And you can follow the Gullivers at Gullivers. Don't forget Patreon. Yeah, don't forget about Patreon if you're in a position to help support the shows. Patreon.com slash Geek Out Loud. Amazon links are on all the websites as well. And we appreciate you tuning in and letting people know about all the different things going on in the Goliverse. This is, uh, this has been a good time and I appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Erish, always good talking to you, brother. And uh, Teresa will always twist my ear or my arm to get me back on the podcast doing this stuff. And that's always a, always ends up being better than I could even imagine. Because it's Disney Vault Talk, the most magical podcast in the internet. So, uh, until next time, for Disney Vault Talk, I'm Steve. And I'm Teresa, to infinity. And geek on. We did it! <laughs> <laughs>